in 80 countries in seven languages to over a half billion viewers each week. The World Wrestling Federation, the worldwide leader in sports entertainment. A lot of people out there realize that I'm a little bit hyper, a little bit different, and a little bit the same at the same time. What did I say? It doesn't really matter because we're talking big steel cage match where nothing makes sense. Labyrinth, come in. Ladies and gentlemen, what you're about to witness is no illusion. And now we got the bass banging from head to Buckingham Palace. They're all moving. Hello and welcome to another episode of This Is Brendan. Every day a new episode will drop on the main feeds featuring new archive and Patreon exclusive podcast tweets. Teasers? Samplers? I added a W to teaser, which made a tweezer. That's what's for me up. But you can find my link tree down below and all the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Twitch links, everything. For February, Black History Month, I'll be celebrating different black historical figures and national days, plus song of the day and historical facts from this day, thanks to nationaldaycalendar.com, onthisday.com, and mybirthdayhits.com. Great review, subscribe, follow wherever you're listening to this. Join the Patreon, patreon.com slash C. Become an accolade of Albright. And if you're in level three and higher, you get shout out on every podcast. So thanks so much for the continued support. Tommy Richardson, Jason Mitchell, Rob Arbick, Uncle Bobby B, Brian Watson, David Frank, Morgan, and Mama Thomas. You can find the original links to the Patreon podcast, which was done a year ago down below. I'm not going to lie. Uh, this week was kind of hectic with stuff, so I am uh, bulk recording the intro for these. Uh, so I haven't actually listened to the Patreon par- portion of the podcast yet. Two new episodes will drop next week, including a Fortnite challenge with Jamie Franchuk dropping on, I believe, February 13th. And uh, February 12th will feature a new episode as well. Uh, this week, uh, we will be celebrating Louis Armstrong, Ron Simmons, Rebecca Lee Crumpler, Paul Lawrence Dunbar, and L- L- Lenton Price. I think I struggle with her name. That that episode will go up February 11th. Uh, sorry. Uh, but if this is your first episode, allow me to introduce myself. My name is Brendan Caulfield, also known as professional wrestler Holden Albright. I am currently 30 years old and reside just outside Toronto, Ontario, Canada. In the past and occasionally, well, actually at the moment, I wrote this intro two years ago. I performed stand-up comedy with a mixture of magic while also creating a variety of fun content that you can see on the Patreon. I've used this specific podcast to talk to a wide range of people from all walks of life and over 100 episodes, over 160 episodes, helped me learn more about my friends, the world around us, and most importantly, my own self-discovery. Uh, if you enjoy this, please consider joining my Patreon at patreon.com slash brandc, becoming an acolyte of Albright. There you'll find hundreds of exclusive early podcasts, blogs, etc, etc. You get podcasts early, you get blogs, photos, uh, you get bonus podcasts at level 2, you get bonus videos and more interaction at level 3, and you get raw podcasts and physical perks in level 4 and higher. Uh, this month I'm, like, funneling down and simplifying things, so... I appreciate any of the support, if it is spiritually, financially, or just listening and liking any of the online content, because I sincerely appreciate and thank you for allowing me to be along the ride on your pursuits of happiness. Thank you, stay safe, stay healthy, and 
find your happiness. It's not about being happy all the time. It's about doing more of what makes you happy and less of what stresses you out. Remember to listen, share, enjoy, and I'll talk to you all soon. Do it no nights, no days off. Great hands and a little bro weight loss. I predict, I predict, I predict, I predict. Disturbing London got the whole city panicking. I've been Nostradamus this man. I see trees of green. I see them blue for me and you and I think to myself what a wonderful way I see skies of blue clouds of white Bright blessed days, dark sacred nights, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. The colors of the rainbow, so pretty in the skies. Also on the faces of people going by, I see friends shaking hands, saying, how do you do? They're really saying, I love you. I hear babies cry. Hello, it is Monday, February 7th, 2022. Happy Black History Month. We're going to be celebrating Louis Armstrong today, who was alive 1901 until 1971. Uh, there's a little facts thing that I'm going to read off. So this this daily podcast is going to be a little heavy-handed, but I'm also going to clip this out and post it as a video on YouTube. What you heard or saw was uh, Louis Armstrong performing What a Wonderful World, which came out in 1967. Uh, credits for this podcast and the video come from nationaldaycalendar.com, onthisday.com, history.com, and mybirthdayhits.com. Louis Daniel Armstrong, nicknamed Satchmo, Satch, and Pops, was an American trumpeter and vocalist. He is among the most influential figures in jazz. His career spanned five decades and different eras in the history of jazz. Armstrong was born and raised in New Orleans. This is an article called Nine Things You May Not Know About Louis Armstrong from History.com, written by Evan Andrews, updated August 22nd, 2018, but originally published August 4th, 2016. First, a Jewish immigrant family helped him buy his first horn. Armstrong with his mother and sister Beatrice in New Orleans in 1921, that is uh, the photo that'll be up right now. Armstrong was born on August 4th, 1901 into a poverty-ridden section of New Orleans nicknamed the Battlefield. His father abandoned the family when Armstrong was a child and his teenage mother was often forced to prostitution to make ends meet. Young Louis spent much of his boyhood in the care of his grandmother, but he also found a second home among the Karnofskis, a local Lithuanian Jewish family who hired him to do odd jobs for their peddling business. 
The jazz man would later write that the Kurnoskis treated him as though they were he were their own child, often giving him food and even loaning him money to buy his first instrument, a $5 cornet. He wouldn't begin playing the trumpet until 1926. As a sign of his gratitude to his Jewish benefactors, Armstrong later took to wearing a Star of David pendant around his neck. Just pay back the people that paid you forward. Secondly, Armstrong first received musical training during a stint in juvenile detention. Armstrong spent his youth singing on the street for spare change, but he didn't receive any formal musical training until age 11, when he was arrested for firing a pistol in the street during a New Year's Eve celebration. The crime earned him a stint in detention facility called Colored Waves Home for Boys, and it was there that Armstrong claimed me and music got married. He spent his 18-month sentence learning how to play the bugle and cornet from the Wafu's home's musical teacher, Peter Davis, and eventually became a star performer in its brass band. Armstrong continued honing his skills in New Orleans honky-tonks after his release, and in 1919, he landed a breakthrough gig with a riverboat band led by musician Fate Marable. I do believe that my whole success goes back to that time I was arrested as a wayward boy, he later wrote, because then I had to quit running around and began to learn something. Most of all, I began to learn music. His wife helped jumpstart his solo career. After leaving New Orleans in 1922, Armstrong spent three years playing in jazz ensembles in Chicago and Harlem. He was largely content to be a journeyman musician, but his second wife, a pianist named Lil Hardin, believed he was too talented not to have his own band. In 1925, while Armstrong was performing in New York, Hardin went behind his back and inked a deal with Chicago's Dreamland Cafe to make him a featured act. She even demanded that he be billed as the world's greatest trumpet player. Armstrong was hesitant at first, but it turned out to be the best move of his career. Only a few days after he arrived back in Chicago, OK Records allowed him to make his first recordings under his own name. Between 1925 and 1928, he and his backup bands, The Hot Five and Hot Seven, went on to cut several dozen records and introduce the world to his improvisationist, improvisational trumpet solos and trademark scat singing. The OK recordings would later play a key role in establishing Armstrong as a legendary figure in jazz. His marriage to Hardin, meanwhile, proved less successful. The couple divorced in 1938. Armstrong was one of the first celebrities to be arrested for drug possession. Oh, Armstrong in Amsterdam in 1955 is the photo. Armstrong made no secret of his fondness for marijuana, which he described as a thousand times better than whiskey. I can agree. In 1930, when the drug was still not widely known, he and drummer Vic Burden were arrested after police caught them smoking a joint outside the Con Club in California. Armstrong served nine days in jail for the bus, but despite his brush with the law, he continued using marijuana regularly for the rest of his life. It makes you forget all the bad things that happened to a Negro, he once said. Fifth, his playing style took a heavy toll on his lips. Thanks to a relentless touring schedule and his penchant for hitting high seas on the trumpet, Armstrong spent much of his career battling severe lip damage. He played with such force that he often split his lip wide open, and he suffered from painful scar tissue that a fellow musician once said made his lips look as hard as a piece of wood. Armstrong treated his lip calluses with a special salve or even removed them himself using a razor blade. But as the years passed, he began struggling to hit his signature high notes. The trumpeter was so famously hard on his chops, as he called them, that a certain type of lip condition, now com commonly known as Satchmo Syndrome. 
Six, Armstrong famously criticized President Dwight D. Eisenhower over segregation. Armstrong's hesitancy to speak out against racism was a frequent bone of contention with his fellow black entertainers, some of who branded him an Uncle Tom. In 1957, however, he famously let loose over segregation. At the time, a group of black students known as the Little Rock Nine were being prevented from attending an all-white high school in Arkansas. When asked about the crisis in an interview, Armstrong replied, the way they're treating my people in the South, the government can go to hell. He added that President Dwight D. Eisenhower was two-faced and had no guts for not stepping in, and declared that he would no longer play a U.S. government-sponsored tour of the Soviet Union. The comments caused a sensation in the media. Some whites even called for boycotts of the Trumpeter show. But the controversy soon blew over after Eisenhower sent soldiers to desegregate the schools in Little Rock. I feel the downtrodden situation the same as any other Negro, Armstrong later said of his decision to speak out. I think I have a right to get sore and say something about it. He served as a musical ambassador for the U.S. State De Department. During the height of the Cold War in the late 1950s, the U.S. State Department developed a program to send jazz musicians and other entertainers on goodwill tours to improve America's image overseas. Armstrong was already known as Ambassador Satch for his concerts in far-flung corners of the globe, but in 1960, he became an official cultural diplomat after he took off on a three-month State Department-sponsored trip across Africa. The trumpeter and his band, the All-Stars, proceeded to take the continent by storm. In Accra, Ghana, 100,000 natives went into a frenzied demonstration when he started to blow his horn. The New York Times later wrote, and in Lepaudeville, tribesmen painted themselves orc and violet and carried him into the city stadium on a canvas throne. One of the most remarkable signs of Armstrong's popularity came during his stopover in the Congo's Kentanga province, where the two sides in a secession crisis called a one-day truce so they could watch him play. He would later joke that he stopped a civil war. As you can tell, I all, I have big lips and a big tongue, so I trip over words, and I also just don't know how to pronounce fucking everything in the world because I'm not perfect. So that's a little funness of these daily podcasts that, once again, if you're watching this on YouTube, go over to patreon.com slash C to get a bunch of these fun little facts. It's literally a 10-page Word document on births, history, and deaths for today. But continuing on with some facts about Louis Armstrong, at age 62, Armstrong surpassed the Beatles as the top of the pop charts. Fuck yeah, congrats, Louis! In late 1963, Armstrong and his All-Stars recorded the title track for an upcoming musical called Hello, Dolly. The trumpeter didn't expect much from the tune, but when the show debuted on Broadway the following year, it became a runaway hit. By May, Hello, Dolly had soared to the top of the charts, displacing two songs by the Beatles, who were then at the height of their popularity. At age 62, Armstrong became the oldest musician not museum, in American history to have a number one song. And number nine, the song What a Wonderful World was not a hit during his lifetime. Armstrong is widely remembered for his rosy ballad What a Wonderful World, which he recorded in 1967, just four years before his death in 1971. But while the song performed well overseas, it was not well promoted in the United States. It flopped upon its initial release. According to Armstrong biographer Terry Tetchcote, what a Wonderful World didn't make a comeback until 1987 when it was included in the soundtrack of the Robin Williams film Good Morning Vietnam. It was then reissued and shot to number 33 on the Billboard charts 
Since then, it's become one of Armstrong's signature tunes. And for that, it's Black History Month. We're celebrating a different black person every single weekday. Louis Armstrong, you're fucking awesome. If you're watching this video, you'll be going into the rest of What a Wonderful World. If you're on the podcast, you're about to hear about it's National Fettuccine Alfredo Day, February 7th. But have a good one. Stay safe to the YouTube viewers. I hope you got a little bit of enlightenment of some little known facts. Remember, this was from history.com. I believe the writer, I'm trying to scroll up to find his name. Evan Andrews, thank you very much for letting us know these little-known facts about Louis Armstrong. But guys, it's February 7th, National Fettuccine Alfredo Day. On February 7th, National Fettuccine Alfredo Day celebrates one of the world's favorite ways to enjoy a plate of fettuccine. Fettuccine Alfredo enjoys a history as rich as its flavor. Created in 1908, fettuccine was made out of love and concern by an Italian restaurateur, Alfredo de Lillo's. Concern over his pregnant wife's lack of appetite caused him to put his talents to work. The birth of their first son depended on it. His recipe of noodles, cheese, and butter not only encouraged her to eat, but also inspired him to put it on the menu too. Since then, the century-old dish has been satisfying pasta lovers around the world ever since. Not only that, but fettuccine alfredo lovers experiment with the dish in several ways. Add shrimp, mushrooms, spinach. The meal also pairs well with other vegetables and proteins too. Cut the richness with a white wine and finish it with a fruit dessert. How to observe Fettuccine Alfredo Day? Celebrate with a big dish of Fettuccine Alfredo. Invite friends and family to join you too. As you know, it's not a celebration if you don't. Make it yourself. There's a recipe on their website. Remember, this is nationalday.com. Or go to your favorite Italian restaurant. When you do, be sure to give them a shout out. Uh, while you're celebrating, share your photos, recipes using hashtag Fettuccine Alfredo Day. Bobby B, if you do not make fucking Fettuccine Alfredo today, I think I'll be a little bit disappointed. The history of El Fettuccine Alfredo Day? The earliest printed record of the observance we found is January 26, 2005. Akron Beacon Journal article, it felt like every word was a period. Listing upcoming February food holidays, several newspapers across the nation follow suit, including the list in their food pages, but none of them included their source or how long the day has been celebrated. However, the grandson of Alfredo de Lillo contacted National Day Calendar in 2015 to provide the history behind the delicious pasta dish. We provide his letter below. From Inez de Lillo, grandson of Alfredo, the following is the history of Alfredo de who created... It's now served by his nephew, Inez, at the restaurant Tu Vero Alfredo, Alfredo de Roma in Rome, Piazza Augusto Emporio. With reference to your article, for which I thank you, I have the pleasure to tell you the history of my grandfather, Alfredo, who is the creator of Fettuccine Alfredo. In 1908, the Trotter run by his mother, Angelina, in Rome, Pizza. Piazza Rosa, Piazza disappeared in 1910 following the construction of the Galleria Colonia, uh, this, I'm Italian, I'm fucking up every single word, I'm not a good Italian, I should get this tattoo removed, has become the birthplace of Fettuccine Alfredo, more specifically is well known to many people who love Fettuccine Alfredo, uh, it's, he's reiterating the story of, uh, before, staying in the family in 1950, Alfredo, I celebrate every year, as this year in my restaurant, founded by my grandfather, Alfredo, 
the U.S. holiday of Felicini Alfredo, February 7th. I must clarify that other restaurants, Alfredo and Rome, do not belong to the family tradition. And I inform you that the restaurant is in registry of historic shops of excellence in City Rome. Best regards, Inez de Lilio. Uh, once again, link down below. Go check it out for yourself. Fettuccine FAQs. How many calories are in a serving of fettuccine? A two-ounce serving of dry fettuccine contains 211 calories. You know you ain't eating that dry. That's sauced up, motherfucker. Besides Alfredo, what other kinds of sauces go well with fettuccine? While Alfredo tastes delicious on fettuccine, there are several other sauces that go well with the fettuccine. Try these the next time you make fettuccine. Pesto. Cooks make this herby, pino, and garlic sauce ahead. It also has delicious flavor to chicken and seafood. Marinara, bolognese, cabarna, etc., etc. Some history on this day. I'm on page 11 of 18. I'm sorry about this being a longer one. I hope you enjoy it, though. I hope you're as curious as I am about history and, like, random little facts. On February 7th, 1238, the Mongols burned the Russian city of Vladimir. And in 2022, Vladimir Putin does not forgive them. In 1817, Baltimore, Maryland becomes the first American city to become lit with Gaslight Market and Lemon Streets, now known as North Holiday Street and East Baltimore Street today, where the first public lighting in the city. Was the first? Uh, oh, in 1845, a 2,000-year-old glass treasure was shattered by a drunk. Gimpy, is this like a fucking reincarnation of yours or a previous carnation? In 1846... 45, sorry. The Portland vase, thought to be dated to the 1st century BC, is shattered into more than 80 pieces by a drunken visitor to the British Museum. Keep Gimpy away from British museums. In 1914, Charlie Chaplin debuts silent film character The Tramp in Kid Auto Races at Venice. And I just listened to a great podcast. Um, I forget the name of it, but it's uh, Toss Popcorn on Ridiculous History. That's the name of the podcast. And they, uh, they they document some very shady stuff about Charlie Chaplin. He likes them young is how I'm going to say it. Uh, in 1915, the first wireless message sent from a moving train to a station was received. In 1936, Felix the Cat, which I remember I have a video of that somewhere when I was younger, was an animated film released by Van Buren Studios licensed from Otto Mesmer. In 1940, Walt Disney's second feature-length movie, Pinocchio, premieres in New York City. In 1941, Frank Sinatra and Tommy Dorsey Orchestra record Everything Happens to Me. In 1949, Joe DiMaggio becomes the first $100,000 a year baseball player for the New York Yankees. In 1959, Fidel Castro proclaims New Cuban Constitution. In 1960, old handwriting found in at Quamran near the Dead Sea was found. In 1961, Jane Fonda made her acting debut in the NBC drama A, Strong, a String of Beads. I only know Jane Fonda as like workout tapes and being like a, a butt sex icon before that. Uh, 1962, a glass explosion in Lusenothal coal mine of Volkernin, Germany kills 298 people. In 1964, the Beatles arrive in, or invade, New York's JFK Airport for their first United States tour. Beatlemania begins! In 1971, Swiss women were granted the right to vote. In 1971! That's only like 50 years ago. Fuck, that's... 
Actually, no, because Justin Zane is born in 72. But, like, that's... That's everyone on the Patreon. None of us are alive, but, like, very close. That's way too close to our lifetime. Half a, half a century ago, that's too late for women to be voting. But since 1868, Swiss women had been demanding the right to vote, and every time it was denied, nearly every two decades, women's suffrage would be brought before the various committees, councils, and parliament, and the motions were ignored or passed on. The Europe Constitution of Human Rights brought the issue to the table once again, and finally... In 1971, Swiss women had a voice. However, there were still many regions in Switzerland that did not allow women to vote at certain levels of Swiss elections. It wouldn't be until 1991, 31 years ago, fuck, that women could vote at all levels of the Swiss election. In 1973, the Stooges released their third album, Raw Power. In 1974, Mel Brooks' film Blazing Saddles opens in movie theaters starring Cleveland Little and Gene Wilder. In 1974, the Symbonese Liberation Army claims responsibility for the kidnapping of Patty Hearst, daughter of Randy Randolph Hearst. Is that where Randy Randall Randolph? Like, is that the same? Is like Randall the like commoner version of Randolph? Hmm, interesting. In 1976, speed skater Sheila Young becomes the first American to win three Winter Olympic medals during the Innsbruck Winter Olympics in 1976. Young brought home medals in the following events. Gold in 500-meter speed skating, silver in 1,500-meter speed skating, and bronze in 1,000-meter speed skating. Interesting. I remember, like, 2002 Winter Olympics. Uh, maybe 2006? Because I think O2 was Salt Lake City and I was like still a child. But I got into 2006 and like 2010 because it was like Vancouver 2010, I want to say. And uh, 2006 was uh, Italy. And I just, I don't know why. I played that game a lot and then like that was the first Winter Olympics I really watched. And I got into speed skating. It just looked cool. Uh, in 1976, Toronto Center, Daryl Sittler sets NHL record with uh, uh, with 10 points and a Maple Leafs 11-4 win over Boston at Maple Leaf Garden. Six goals, four assists. In 1984, the Space Shuttle Challenger astronauts Bruce McCur McCandles II and Robert L. Stewart. See, Rob Stewart. That's two first names. What's up, Rob Stew? Uh, they completed the first untethered spacewalk during their STS-41B mission. In 1984, Michael Jackson was awarded a four-foot-high platinum disc by CBS. In 1986, Haiti's president for life, Jean-Claude Duvalier, flees to France. Henry Namphy becomes leader of Haiti. Uh, so, president for until I run away. In 1988, 38th NBA All-Star Game, Chicago Stadium, the East Beats the West, 138 to 133, MVP Michael Jordan, Chicago Bulls forward. There's also a NHL All-Star Game, which featured uh, Wayne Gretzky and representing uh, the LA Kings. So it's interesting, these All-Star Games happening in February. Uh, in 1991, the IRA launches a mortar attack on 10 Downing Street during a cabinet meeting. In 1992, my birthday year, Maastricht Treaty signed by 12 countries form the European community or from the European community to create the European Union. And then England was like, fuck you. Uh, in 1994, American actor and singer Jim, Na Jim Neighbors known as Gomer Pyle, undergoes a liver transplant. 
In other Saving Life news, also on this day in 94, Howard Stern, radio disc jockey, stops a would-be jumper on the George Washington Bridge. In 1995, The Woman in Me, the second studio album by Shania Twain, is released. There was also another, like, bluegrass female artist that released an album on this day in 95, but we don't talk about her. We we stand Shania Twain in this house, apparently. Uh, in 2009, bushfires in Victoria left 173 dead in the worst natural disaster in Australia's history. Uh, in 2018, DNA analysis of Cheddarman, UK's oldest complete skeleton, shows he had dark skin and blue eyes. Also in 2018, armed groups released 300 child soldiers from Yambio, South Sudan, according to the UN. I remember listening to that on the news, actually. And also on tw- in 2018, all citrus fruit can be traced to the southeast foothills of the Himalayas, according to DNA study published in Nature. In 2019, new kangaroo fossil research published from uh, River Slay, Australia, shows kangaroos learned to hop 20 million years ago, much earlier than first thought. I ain't thinking about kangaroos learning how to hop. I just assumed they hopped. In 2019, Sierra Leone President Julius Madau Bio declares national emergency over rape and sexual assault violence after instances double. And this is this is where we get a little shady because we're getting into recent years. In 2019, measles cases in Europe were the highest in a decade, tripling in a year to 82,596 according to the World Health Organization. Because also, on this day in 2019, there was a measles outbreak declared in the Philippines with 1,813 cases and 26 deaths. So I remember, uh, like, measles being a thing that, like, there, there's a vaccine for it. It got solved. The fact that none of us died of measles, if you're listening to this podcast, the fact that I was born in 1992 and I have not dealt with measles, this goes back to fucking, like, Jenny McCartney being, like, anti-vax and... If it's not Jenny McCartney, I think it is, though. Whoever the fuck else it is, Gwyneth Paltrow, I'll just throw under the bus for no fucking reason. But this is, like, it shows that, like, the decade of 09 to 2019, measles is coming back. What the fuck? We solved this. Ugh. In 2021, a Himalayan glacier crashes into the... Fuck, why do I gotta read this? The Dalaganga River, (laughs) destroying a dam and causing a huge flood in the... Uttarakhand province, India, killing 26 and leaving 150 minutes. I think shit like this. I'm just going to go like watch a news report that happened that day so I can try to pronounce it correctly. Or do you enjoy me not knowing how to pronounce this shit? And uh, on February 7th, 2021, Sarah Thomas becomes, becomes the first woman to referee a Super Bowl championship game. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tampa Bay, not beer, what? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeated the Kansas City Chiefs 31 to 9. Okay, so let's go into some birthdays. On this day, February 7th, 575, Prince Shotoku, a Japanese regent and politician who promoted Buddhism, uh, was born. He died in 622. So quick math, 20, 20, 42, 6. So he was like 48 when he died. Ooh, that, that ain't old. But also like in the year 622, is 48 like super fucking old? John Deere is born in 1804. Congratulations, Gimpy. I know you probably celebrate this day. In 1837, the blacksmith and manufacturer launched the Deere and Company in Moline, Illinois, after developing a steel plow precisely designed to cut through the prairie clay soils. 
Charles Dickens was born in 1812, the British author created some of the world's most memorable characters. His classic tales of Nicholas Nickleby, Oliver Twist, and David Copperfield are only a few of his beloved titles. Others include A Christmas Carol, I don't know why my brain froze there, Great Expectations, The Pickwick Papers, and The Cricket on the Health. Hearth? On the Hearth. Ugh, weird. Laura Ingalls Wilder was born in 1867. The American author wrote about her experience of growing up as a pioneer in the Midwest. Her little house books depicted frontier life, the first set in Wisconsin. Her little house, so Little House on the Prairie. Like, that's what it's based off of, right? I don't know. It seems like a show that Gimpy would watch. Emma Rochelle Wheeler was born in 1882. In 1915, doctors Emma Rochelle Wheeler and Joseph N. Uh, Wheeler opened Walden Hospital, the first hospital to be owned, operated, and staffed by African Americans in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Fuck yeah! Black History Month and just history in general. Sinclair Lewis is born in 1885. They will go on to form. Fuck. I'm trying to like add words and make it flow, but it just fucks up. So in 1930, the American writer received the first Nobel Prize in Literature. The author is known for his novels, Babbitt, Main Street, and Aerosmith. So I guess it would be Sinclair Lewis is born on this day. The writer received the first Nobel Prize in Literature in 1930. That's how I should have, like, phrased it. Marth Holmes was born in 1923. Life Magazine hired the 20-year-old photographer in 1944. Holmes' pioneering work led her to take photographs of notable public figures. Garth Brooks is born in 1962. The American country music singer and songwriter earned numerous awards. His self-named debut album includes such hits as Much Too Young, To Feel This Damn Old, and The Dance. Much Too Young has been like my 20s sound, like, theme song. And this is one of the things where Garth Brooks is born. So is this uh, the song I would play for the day? It's not, but you'll find out soon what it is unless you read the description, but you won't know why. Chris Rock is born in 1966. Rock began his career as a stand-up comedian in the mid-1980s. In 1990, his star took off when he joined the cast of Saturday Night Live. His acting career includes hits on both the big and small screen. Steve Nash, Canadian Basketball Hall of Fame guard uh, and coach, was born in Johannesburg, South Africa in 1974. Spencer Alden, baby and model on grunge rock band Nirvana's Nevermind album cover, was born in 1991. Um, and this is one of those, like, Spencer has been in the news recently for trying to sue and, like, block it and probably try to create an NFT out of it, but, like, he's profited off of it, so he fucks himself over. Uh, and I've, I misplaced this, but Ashton Kutcher, American actor that 70s show punked, was born in Cedar Rapids, Iowa in 1978. Now we're talking about deaths. In 590s, Pelagius Pelagius II, a Gothic Pope, alive 579 to 90. He was only 31, 21, 11. He couldn't have been 11 years old. Was he? How does math work? 579 to 90. How? Huh? There's no way this little bastard was 11 years old. I got, I got to look this up. I'm sorry. Is he fucking a lot? Like, I believe it because, like, the world's fucked up. But, like... Is he born 590? When did he die? Did 
doesn't say how old he was. He died in 590. The papacy began in 579. Oh, he, they just don't know when he was born. Oh, okay. <laughs> I got real angry there. Uh, in 1988, Lynn Carter... American sci-fi writer of Lost World of Time dies at 57. In 1992, Buzz Sawyer, professional wrestler, actually I'm inspired a little bit by Buzz Sawyer, but he was kind of a piece of shit. The Undertaker talks about him being his first trainer, but not training him. Uh, he was born in 59, died in 92. Massimo Palatino, an Italian archaeologist, dies at 86 in 1995. In 2012, Florence Hallway, American rape victim and activist, dies at 96. 2018, Mikey Jones, an American musician and actor, Home Improvement, Justified, dies at 76. In 2019, Frank Robinson, American Baseball Hall of Fame outfield, outfielder and manager, 14-time MLB All-Star, National League MVP in 1961, American League MVP in 1966, World Series 1966, and 70 with the Baltimore Orioles, dies of bone cancer at 83. In 2020, Li Wang a Chinese doctor who tried to raise the alarm over COVID-19, dies of COVID-19 in Wuhan at 34. And this goes back to the fucking measles. Just listen. There's a convoy going on. Which, by the way, convoy was like the number one song in Canada in like 1978. The C.W. McCall song. And I think I may have played it earlier. I've definitely played it. I like the song. I like the Paul Brandt version that came out like 15 years ago. But I don't support the convoy, so I'm definitely not playing that. Uh, and lastly, in 2021, Ralph Backstorm, Canadian Ice Hockey Center, six-time Stanley Cup winner with the Montreal Canadiens, and a six-time NHL All-Star, died at 83. And now for the end song. So, I look it up. You can see it in the credits. I use uh, birthday songs or whatever the the dress is as what was number one. And I realize if I do like a daily thing of what's number one and I go through... This Savage Garden song, this Jennifer Lopez song, this Whitney Houston song, which our songs are number one in Canada and the U.S. today. They go that they were on the number one for weeks. So, like, if I just list them, they're going to be the same ones I list tomorrow and list tomorrow. So I'm just going to pick one song out of it. If you want to get ahead of the game, you can go over and look at the song of the day and comment down below what songs you want. But if you were born Saturday, February 7th, 1970... Eight, sorry, then Staying Alive by the Bee Gees was the number one song in the U.S. on your birthday. The song went to number one on February 4th, 1978, and stayed at the top of the charts for four weeks. So listen to Staying Alive by the Bee Gees. I don't have a motivational thing to say, but this is going to be my end point from now on. It's a series of little motivational quotes. Even if I failed to make progress today, I could still make progress tomorrow. You can be scared, you can be nervous, you can be uncertain. Show up anyways. That's how you will succeed. You can do it. Remember, forgive your younger self, believe in your current self, create your future self. You woke up this morning, you're already fucking winning. And lastly, I hope you know that you made today a very special day by just being you. There's no one in the whole world like you, and I like you just the way you fucking are. I appreciate your support. Have a good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Just have fun. Stay safe, stay healthy, and I truly appreciate each and every one of you. I hope you got something out of this. Comment down below if you 
want a little less facts if you want like no deaths or no whatever and i'll i'll try to channel it but these will probably be around 30 minutes now there won't be like a nine uh, segment at the beginning of nine little known facts it will be a little shout out but yeah i hope you all take care i hope you all have a good morning good afternoon stay safe stay healthy and i truly appreciate it i'm so grateful to be along the path of happiness with you of your pursuit of happiness because we're all just trying to be happy have a good day everyone and enjoy the Bee Gees. Ha 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 ha. Staying alive. Staying alive. They're going to sing way better than me though. Have a good one everybody. Uh -huh.